Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The You Feeling All Right? Oh, oh. Edition as the Bengals score nine points in the last three minutes and 42 seconds to stun the Saints 30 to 26. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one interviews with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and others, followed by analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, it's a highly entertaining visit with Bengals center, Ted Karras. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you in part by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since road-tripping Bengals fans. They say you can see just about anything on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, many of those things not meant for younger eyes, but the primary thing I saw on Saturday night were Bengals fans, hundreds of them, maybe thousands. And if I would have accepted every offer for a free beer, I would have looked like Nicolas Cage in leaving Las Vegas. Many people traveled to New Orleans to paint the town red. This weekend, the Big Easy was painted orange and black. Now, let's get to the radio replays from the Bengals' third win in a row inside the Superdome. Here comes the punt. Good-looking punt. Taylor backpedaling, and he will start from the 8-yard line. Straight ahead to the 15, the 20, sideline 25, fumbles the ball, and the Saints recover at the Bengals' 32-yard line. Ah. Dalton ready for the shotgun snap. Andy drops back five steps, throws. It is caught at the 3. It's a touchdown. Traquan Smith cutting toward the goalpost to make the catch, and the Saints are on the scoreboard first. Third and goal from the nine. Joe back to throw. Pump fakes, throw short. Caught by Mixon at the five. Charges into the end zone. Touchdown! Bengals! A nine-yard strike on third down and goal, and the Bengals are a PAT away from tying the game. Dalton is under center. Alvin Kamara back in at running back. Receiver goes in jet motion. They give it to him. Nobody is there for Cincinnati. Shahid to the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Wow. Single high safety blitz coming. Burrow trying to step away from the rush. He does. Get in. Runs up the middle of the field in, to the Joe. 10. Yeah. The 5. Touchdown. Nice. As Joe Burrow crosses the goal line with the ball in his left hand. Fully extended. Goes into the back corner of the end zone and spins it like he's rolling dice. There is nobody, nobody from the middle of the football field to the left sideline. I mean, everybody is, is, it's like the field was tilted to its right. And Joe Burrow ran to the left all by his lonesome. Burrow catches, looks, fires, Boom. chase, touchdown. Yeah. Ran a skinny post. Burrow threw a bullet right on the money. Chase does the gritty. Huber extends the hands, catches, puts the ball down. The kick is on its way, and it oh, is yeah. good. Yeah. As the Bengals pull within two with three minutes and 41 seconds to go. If you include the playoffs, Evan McPherson is a ridiculous 16 of 18 on kicks of 50-plus yards. Dalton looks over the defense, catches the shotgun snap. He's straight back to throw. Finish! Yeah! That's hit from behind. Nice. The ball Trey. is incomplete. The sure. Bengals will scoop it up and run it back, but it's an incomplete pass. Trey Hendrickson got to the arm of Andy Dalton, and the Saints will have to punt it away. 
Burrow in the gun, Mixon to his left. Joe drops back to throw. His pass, caught by Chase at the 50, runs through an arm tackle. Nice. Down the sideline. Oh, He's going to take it to oh. the house. Jamar Chase, a 60-yard oh. touchdown. Oh. And the Bengals have the lead with 1.57 to go. Unbelievable. Dalton ready for the shotgun snap. 33 seconds to go. He's back to pass. He's going to fling it high and deep down the sideline. It is knocked away out of bounds. No penalty flag down. Was that Dax Hill sprinting over to knock that out of bounds? Yes. The Bengals rookie running toward the sideline and getting a hand on it. And that is Coffin Nail. Bam, bam, bam. The final score, Cincinnati 30, New Orleans 26. For the past 48 years, the Superdome has been the site of many of America's biggest sporting events, including seven Super Bowls, five Final Fours, Muhammad Ali's last professional win, and numerous college football games that have decided the national championship, including a game in January of 2020 that featured one of the most memorable performances in college football history as Joe Burrow threw for 463 yards and five touchdowns and ran for 58 yards and another score in LSU's 42-25 win over Clemson. His favorite target in that game was Jamar Chase, who caught nine passes for 221 yards and two TDs. So it was certainly fitting on Sunday that Burrow walked into the Superdome wearing the jersey that Jamar wore in that game. Rarely do games follow the Hollywood script, but this one did to a T as Burrow's 60-yard touchdown pass to Chase won the game with less than two minutes to go. Dave Lapham caught up with Burrow in the locker room. Joe, second half, 11 for 12, 179 yards, two touchdowns. What happened on the incompletion? Just kidding. (laughs) I mean, today was just a great day. We had to fight back from adversity all day. Defense got a stop when we needed to. Offensive line played great. We got the ball out quickly. Receivers played great. We're going to build off of this win and keep it going. You wore Jamar Chase's LSU jersey. It was almost like a precursor to what was going to take place. You and Jamar hooked up for, I think, seven catches. He had 135 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Your numbers were staggering. What is it about New Orleans and you guys? I don't know. It's something about this state that just brings the best out of us. Great fans. You know, it was great to come back and, and you know, experience the, the atmosphere of a football game in Louisiana. Just a great day for us. What about your legs on the, on the scramble? I mean, <laughs> I, I've never seen uh, like two-thirds of the football field cleared out in that left side. You ran Hurst on a little drag, and it took the only defender away. I mean, from the right hash mark to the left sideline, it was like unbelievable. Yeah, they brought a, a saw pressure. It was a, it was a you know, a tough pressure look. And, and LC was able to get out to the nickel blitzing late, took, took enough off of it so I could step up and go make a play. So your red zone offense was unbelievable. Every time you got in the red zone, you scored a touchdown. They got in the red zone four times, had to settle for four field goals. That was a ball game, wasn't it? That's the, that's the ball game. You know, if you, if you get down there and score, score touchdowns, you're usually going to be able to, to pull out a W. And if your defense holds into field goals, that's a recipe for success. No turnovers by the offense, no takeaways by the defense, but the turnover, unfortunately, on special teams, so you're minus one. And when you get behind because of that turnover, it just seemed like it took a while. You know, I mean, getting behind by a touchdown on the road is a tough deal, isn't it? Yeah, they're a good defense. They're a really good defense. And so, you know, when we, second half, we were able to, to turn it on. 
you got to give credit to them in that first quarter, but I think second quarter on, we were lights out. You were lights out the whole game, Joe Burrow, man. I tell you, when you have to rise to the occasion, you rise above the occasion, my man. Appreciate it, Dave. Burrow completed 76% of his passes and threw for exactly 300 yards with three touchdowns, no picks, a passer rating of 126, and a touchdown run for good measure. He's accounted for 10 touchdowns the last two times he's played in the Superdome. Jamar Chase finished with seven catches for 132 yards and two TDs, and I spent a couple of minutes with him. Jamar, can you describe just how meaningful it was for you to have the kind of game you did today and score the game-winning touchdown with less than two minutes to go? It was a good opportunity to play back at home, play in front of my family and friends, and just put on a show. So when that pass comes your way, I think most of us are thinking, all right, that's eight to 12 yards in a first down. You turned it into a 60-yard house call. Describe it. Just making somebody missing, you know, getting a lot of space on the field is just feel recognition of me and just, you know, making a play with my feet and being a playmaker. What did Joe Burrow walking into the stadium wearing your national championship jersey mean today? It gave us the energy as a as an offense and to me and to him. I felt like uh, just coming into this game, you know, we had to make a statement on who we are and what we need to get back to. Did he request to wear it? Yes, he did, yeah. yeah. When did that happen? Um, the day before we left, you know, he texted my – actually, the night before we left, he texted my phone and was like, do you have any jersey? And uh, the day we was leaving, you know, he I said, yeah. You know, I had to take it off my wall, but, yeah, yeah. found out the day of. Were you surprised? What was your reaction? Um, no, I, wasn't, I just didn't know what he was going to do with it. I wasn't too surprised. I just didn't know what he was going to do with it. Seven catches for you, six for T, six for Tyler. Is that the kind of way it's supposed to look? That's how it needs to be. Goddamn, I didn't know that. I wish y'all had told me that in there. <laughs> what, what was T? What was uh, TB stats? What was TB? They both had six catches for about sixty some yards, and you had seven okay. for like a buck thirty. Not bad. That's not bad actually. I need that. So you guys were kind of swimming uphill all day. The Saints were up by ten. They were up by nine. Then they're up by five. How does it feel when you're able to overcome all of that and win? Felt good, man. Just you know, we was in a dog fight the whole game, and you know, we had we knew we was gonna be in a dog fight, and. You know, we, we came out here and, and, and fought. And the music was pumping. Everybody was psyched in here. Is this kind of a, a big emotional lift considering you have three losses that ended on field goals by the other team? You know, we, we can't worry about that right there. We got we to gotta get on this run and, and execute and, you know, be the offense that we know we are. So um, we got to put those losses behind us and, and worry about this win we have and next week coming up. Any contact after the game with the many friends and family that were in the stands? I'm about to go to them right now. I'm about to go right now. So I need to let you go. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's Jamar Chase. I also spoke to Joe Mixon after the game. Before we get to that, here's a reminder that the Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Joe Mixon only had eight carries on Sunday, but he averaged 5.6 yards per attempt for the second game in a row. He also caught four passes, including his first TD catch this year. We are in the locker room with Joe Mixon. The music is pumping. Everybody's got a big grin. Describe the satisfaction of coming from behind all day and ultimately winning this game. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, when the defense had needed to step up, they made a hell of a stop. Um, our offense, we knew if we went out there again, we knew we was going to come through and deliver. 
um, and we did we delivered in a major way. And you know, I'm very excited for you know the guys we came through, and most importantly, bring home the win. So as long as we keep on building, you know, taking it one day at a time, and you know, keep dishing it off what the defense gives us, I think we'll be a hell of a football team, especially playing complementary football with the run and the pass and keeping the defense balanced, or you know, us being balanced and keeping the defense uh, honest. Homecomings are special. How cool was it to see Jamar have the game he had and the game-winning touchdown on that 60-yard play with less than two minutes to go? Yeah, man, that was a hell of a play. Um, he came through and delivered. I remember, you know, talking to him on the sideline, like, bro, like, it's going to come. I'm telling you, like, and literally everything I said happened. Like, I was like, bro, you get a first down? I'm like, bro, flex. Like, show your grill. Do your thing, bro. Like, this shit going to come to you. And he was like, all right, like, and I'm like, and after that, I'm like, the big one going to come. And literally, that's exactly what happened. He got a big, crucial uh, first down for about, like, I want to say, like, 18 yards or 13. Then all of a sudden, he ended up coming with a big one. So I thought he did a hell of a job, you know, staying focused and uh, me trying to keep him on his game. And uh, when, when we needed him most, he delivered. So, like I said, it's a great feeling, man, and I'm happy for him. What kinds of things are being said on the sideline when you guys were down by 10, down by 9, had to keep trying to come back? Um, you know, just don't flinch. Keep on going. You know what I'm saying? We we in the game, and we ain't going to never give up on each other. You know what I'm saying? So uh, everybody stayed true to the game plan. Everybody was executing, most importantly. And um, like I said, we came through and delivered. So it's a great feeling, you know, to uh, steal one from a away team and, you know, take one to the crib. So we're going to enjoy this win, get back to work on Monday, and uh, get ready for Atlanta. Always a lot of heroes in a win. Dax Hill winds up making the final play defensively. Kind of his first big play as a rookie. Yeah, he uh, his his time gonna come. He been patient. Um, he been you know doing all the things that he needs to do as a rookie. And um, you know I'm excited for him. I'm glad he made that play. That was huge for him. And uh, like I said, man, I'm just happy that we came with uh, came out with the victory. Here's one more one-on-one -on -one interview as Lap spent two and a half minutes with Zach Taylor after the win. I'm really proud of these guys for just hanging in because uh, I, I would say that it felt like they had a lot of momentum for for a big course of the game when they were chewing up the clock and their possessions. It wasn't so much touch scoring touchdowns. It was just the time of possession. Felt like it was getting away from us, especially there at the end of the half and the beginning of the third quarter. Um, so our guys, just to show that kind of resiliency, our depth had to step up because we had some guys go down in that game and everyone did and, and found a way to get us a win. Like you said, um, you start thinking, boy, how many possessions do we have? The way they're taking seven and a half minutes on every possession. And you guys scored so quickly. I mean, it was amazing. Our defense stepped up on that last drive and got that second to last drive and got that stop because that, that was the battle you were fighting. When we kicked to the field goal um, to go down two, I think it was, uh, that, that was the challenge right there was how much time are we going to have left because they were doing a good job taking up the clock. And even though we weren't getting up points necessarily in every drive, it was, uh, you know, there was a, it was a possession battle there. So, uh, fortunately, Evan stepped up and made a tough kick, and then our defense made a stop and got us the ball back, and we were able to score, but uh, we needed our guys to step up in those last moments, and they did. Joe in the second half, Coach, 11 for 12, 179 yards and two touchdowns. I was kidding him when we talked earlier. What happened on the incompletion? I mean, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, I got to think through what the incompletion was, <laughs> you know, but, um, uh, you know, he, he just really got hot, and you could feel it once we – kind of got into the rhythm of the game and felt like we had a good understanding of the structure they were playing. They, they made some adjustments and they made things challenging for us, but uh, those were the moments our guys stepped up. Maybe when the play call wasn't perfect, um, Joe found a way to, to find guys that had the best matchups and, and those guys stepped up and made plays. What is it about uh, 
LSU and, you know, um, New Orleans and, I mean, Chase and Burrow, that, when, when they get on that stage, they're stars. There's no doubt about it. You know, when these moments get big, we need our big-time our big players to step up, and that's what they did today. And you just got to continue to give them opportunities to do that. And uh, I thought today we did, and, and they took advantage of it. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, I'm proud of those guys, the way they stepped up and, and helped us win this game. Coach, congratulations. Big win. This is one of those kind of victories that, uh, you know, as you prepare to go 1-0 again next week, it's a good way to start the week. Yeah, we, we needed this momentum going into a home game next week against uh, Atlanta, I think. <laughs> it is. It's Atlanta, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, it's going to be an easy flight, nice flight home, isn't it? It will be, yeah. <laughs> yes, Atlanta is up next. The Falcons are 3-3 three and three after a 14-point win over San Francisco. Cincinnati is a very early six-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Now, time for the Radio Guys Recap. Lap, Lou Anarumo says all the time, don't ask me about yards, ask me about points. The Bengals' defense bent but didn't break and that helped the offense come back and win the game it was the ultimate of it you know four possessions in the red zone you're talking about an offense that had converted 80 percent of the time touchdowns going into the game second best in the league and to hold them four times with just a field goal that was the game as it, as it turned out that was the probably most significant single thing that you could point to and say that kind of swung the football game in retrospect, was there anything more predictable than Jamar Chase would come back to this place and do something spectacular? He and Burrow. I mean, it's like New Orleans, Louisiana, special stage. They step up big. I mean, they're bigger than big. Those two are, it's just its just remarkable. And I think it started with Joe wearing Jamar's jersey, you know. It's kind of the karma started. It was kind of like a precursor of things to come. And, uh, and the two of them just hooked up again. I mean, Burrow's just things he sees and the way he sees them and Jamar's just a grown man there's no two ways about that they had balance today I mean obviously in terms of passing and running it was heavily tilted toward passing but balance in the sense that Chase Higgins and Boyd were all pretty similar in terms of targets and production yeah uh, for the two of them to have six catches uh, you know meaning Boyd and Higgins and then Chase having seven it, that's a good sign um Plus, I mean, the the the, uh, the game itself as it as it unfolded, the Bengals felt like they couldn't run the ball that much. They ran it efficiently. They only ran it 15 times, but averaged almost six yards a carry. So it wasn't like they weren't you know getting good things out of the running game, which I think is another good sign. A couple of weeks in a row, I think there were you know holes for Joe Mixon to take advantage of and get past the line of scrimmage with some authority. So um, I think that's all trending in a in a good direction as well. But. You're right. I mean, it's like when when the big three is on, what do you do? How do you do it? I mean, it's just like the Saints with all the running backs. There were times out there where they had three legitimate running backs. It's like a, you mentioned it during the game. It's like watching a college football running game. Who do you? How do you? What do you defend? How do you defend it? When you have three receivers, the talent level that these guys have, how do you defend it? What do you do? Particularly when you don't see them that often. The Saints just don't see it that often. And the Bengals don't see the type of offense the Saints draw out there with uh, the Swiss Army knife hill either. I'm sure you've played in games like this where you're swimming uphill all day. 
you're behind. Every time you get closer, the other team scores again, and then you manage to pull it out in the end. What kind of emotional lift do you get from a game like that? Yeah, it's a big lift. You know, it's like offensively took care of the ball, didn't turn it over. Defensively, didn't get any takeaways, but the turnover occurs on special teams, short field, you're down seven. And then it's like to get over the hump, it takes a while, you know, get over, get and you think you're getting over, then they score again, you know. So it's, uh, and, and, and like we were talking about during the course of the game, the one thing about the field goal drives where they were taking seven and a half minutes. So every one of them was, it wasn't like, you know, just like a, a four-play drive and settle for a field goal. They were going double-digit plays and the drives and melting the clock. So, you know, that, that had to be a little bit disconcerting as well as you're trying to make a comeback. But when you do and you win a game like this, man, there's some, there's some carryover. I mean, there's bouncing your step. You know, practice is easier next week. Now you got to go string a few together. Don't don't look ahead, but maybe three more one and O's and get into the bye week with a six and three record. Then you think, well, you know, we we have eight games left. They're tough, but we got six wins. We should be able to at least split going down the stretch. So that would be a goal, I think. I think we all felt the offense was getting closer, and now they put 30 points on the board. I think it's the first time in about 10 games going back to last year. That's the proof we're looking for that this offense is starting to display the kind of production they're capable of uh, of coming up with. Yeah, I agree. You know, and again, because when they got in the red zone, they scored seven. You know, they didn't settle for three. Uh, when you look at it, uh, the Saints scored 26 points with four red zone field goals. You know, I mean, so they, there was some some productivity there to a point, and then they just couldn't couldn't finish, couldn't finalize. I mean, you leave four points on the field in uh, in four possessions like that, you leave 16 points on the field. That's 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 a tough uh, tough dynamic. Yet they still 26 points for them was their high on the season, you know as well. So it was a, it was a very entertaining, interesting football game, just like every game is in the National Football League. This league is sick. I mean, I don't care who you are, as the old saying goes, anybody can beat anybody, and it is true. It was another example of it in in league wide today. Can't take anything for granted. As soon as you start to get full of yourself, you get knocking your keister and the can will get empty quick, man. Sick in a good way. Yeah, sick in a good exactly. Just like, just riveting. You know, you just, oh, man, what's going to happen? You, I never expected that to happen. Expect the unexpected. That's the NFL. Elsewhere in the AFC North on Sunday, the Ravens blew a double-digit lead for the third time this year. They led the Giants 20-10 in the fourth quarter, but lost the game 24-20. The Browns were blown out at home by the Patriots 38-15, and the Steelers upset Tom Brady and the Bucks 20-18. As a result, the Bengals and Ravens are tied for first at 3-3. Three three. The Browns and Steelers are a game back at 2-4. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Finally, it's time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where we get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with Bengals offensive lineman Ted Karras from Indianapolis, the so-called racing capital of the world. Did you go to the track? Did you go to the Indy 500 or the Brickyard 400 when you were young? I did. I grew up going. Uh, I think the last time I went was sophomore year of college. I kind of banned myself after that. It's a pretty wild event, so I've (laughs) 
you know, next time I go, we'll probably go in into the into the box. The coke lot and the snake pit, uh, you know, aren't my style anymore. <laughs> you banned yourself. I yeah. like that. The Kennedys are to politics as the Karrises are to football. Your family legacy in this sport is crazy. Your dad has an NFL championship ring. Your grandfather won an NFL championship ring. You've got a couple. Your uh, great uncle Alex is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What are some of your earliest memories of being introduced to football? Well, that's high praise to Kennedys. I think we have less scandals. We're not scandal free, but uh, <laughs> we have. Well, but earliest memories in football. You know, my father was a coach um, his whole career. So he's still coaching. Uh, so I think going on going to games Saturday Saturday afternoon games small college football in the Midwest uh, you know those are some of my fondest memories uh, traveling on the bus with the teams uh, I think the longest bus ride I went on was uh, to uh, Millsaps Mississippi so hmm. a lot of how fun. long was that I think it was like twelve hours hmm. yeah it was a lot of fun though we got the win so uh, you know grew up all around small college football you know with you know a lot of guys that. I'm obviously my dad played in the NFL briefly, but my grandfather uh, told a lot of stories. So it's been, you know, my whole life's been been football, and it's I'm very grateful to be 29 and still still playing the game. So all little kids in elementary school get the "What do you want to be when you grow up?" question. Was it always pro football player for you? Yes, I, you know, I was never, and I really, you know, even playing other sports, I, I didn't have the same interest level. Um, I wish now looking back, I wish I probably would have played more sports growing up, but I, I didn't I didn't like them really. I, I just wanted to play football and and be around the game. So um yeah, it was always this was my goal. I think my goal mostly was to play college football, to play in the Big Ten. Um and then always, you know, had the NFL in the back of my mind, but the first goal was to get a full scholarship to play football. That's what I thought about most of my childhood. We're visiting with Ted Karras. So your great uncle Alex as I mentioned, is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but he's probably as well-remembered for his acting career. He famously punched a horse as the char character Mongo in Blazing Saddles. He was Emmanuel Lewis's godfather in the hit TV show Webster for six years. Did you get to know him, and have you seen much of his work? I've seen most of his work. Uh, there's also several books about his life that mm -hmm. he wrote, or George Plimpton, his lifelong friend, good author. Paper Lion was right. a movie and a book. Pretty cool, actually. They... In the, I think it was the 63 season, no, 64 season, he got them to, he got the Lions to let his friend be the four-string quarterback for the whole year and then write about it. So mm -hmm. that's probably my favorite of the, of his work. Um, you know, I didn't know him that well. He lived in uh, Malibu and Hollywood Hills. So uh, we visited UCLA when I was uh, 17 and got to meet him and hang out with him for mm -hmm. a day. So that was pretty special. Does Frank Pollock call you Mongo? No, Frank. I have been called Mongo before, um, but you know that's reserved for Steve McMichael. That was his nickname back in '85 Bears. So I, you know, we I've had more so than being a nickname. There's been like trick plays or fake plays called Mongo. Uh -huh. If I'm involved at all as a, as a kid and all the way up to 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 now. So if I see a trick play that you're involved in, I'm going to assume that the Bengals call it Mongo. We're visiting, we're visiting, we're visiting with Ted Karras. You mentioned the desire to play in the Big Ten, and you did at Illinois. What did you enjoy most about your college experience? I had some amazing friends. I thought um, I found college to be fascinating. I I really didn't turn it on probably till like my sophomore year academically. I woke up and really took advantage of. Um, you know the opportunity of a free education at such a such a great school. I ended up finishing with two degrees from there. 
Um, but, you know, I wish we would have been better. We didn't have the greatest run there at Illinois. They're playing great this year, though. Exciting to see. Um, but have lifelong friends and, you know, met my wife. So, you know, overall was a – and then made to the NFL. So it was a net positive Illinois. Mm-hmm. But football-wise, what, those are probably my least fond memories mm-hmm. of football as the University of Illinois. After five years there, you're drafted by the Patriots in the sixth round in 2016. Describe your draft experience. Well, I, uh, you know, I didn't know whether I was going to be drafted or not. Uh, my agent said the best chance was Patriots in the sixth round, um, which obviously was a good, good call by him. But you know, so the interesting thing about that year was that was the Deflategate scandal, and they took away the first round draft pick of the Patriots and gave him three extra six rounders, and they gave him an extra fourth and extra sixth round, and I was the last of those six round picks. So I was the last pick of the sixth round. Um, it was amazing. I, you know, I, I didn't know if I was going to draft or not. Still threw a huge party in my house. Everyone that was in my life up until that point was there. And, uh, you know, still very grateful to this day for that, for that amazing opportunity. And Coach Belichick's given me two opportunities to be on his team, so I'll always be grateful to him for that. So you go to New England, win a Super Bowl your first year, go back to the Super Bowl your second, go again your third year and win again that third year. Did you realize how ridiculous that was? Yes, I did realize how ridiculous that was. And, you know, it was so special to be a part of such great teams. And, I mean, those teams were stacked from top to bottom. And to be a contributor uh, at times on those teams was amazing. And I saved everything. I have everything saved from all the – really from my entire career. You know, I have every program signed by the – featured player. I have a bunch of gear. Mm -hmm. Every Super Bowl I kept my whole – uh, outfit. I'm I, I'm a football fan too, so I collect you know all this stuff, and I get kind of easy access to some of the good stuff. So saved it all. Um, you know, still more to finish though. I'd like to get back and, and get another one. I would like you to get back <laughs> and get another one too. Hopefully soon. You're going to be asked about Bill Belichick for the rest of your life. How do you describe him? I think he's you know the ultimate leader of, of an organization of you know, and I think that whatever field he would have ventured into he would have been a leader and at the forefront of it but you know I you know I can't say enough about the things that he taught me not only in football but just how to lead men and carry yourself and you know a lot of the tenets that he you know has preached and still does I'm sure today is preaching some of those and I um, you know I think about those a lot so I owe a lot of credit to him I owe a lot of credit to my old line coach there Dante Skarnecchia uh, I would not be the player I was without him or, or the person so you know it was a, a tremendous opportunity for me and I I'm glad that I took advantage of it I never want to squander any chances or opportunities so that was a special one and it led me to here then there's Tom Brady you block for him for four years he's the goat of his many incredible qualities what do you respect the most his desire to win and his obsession with um you know winning and and putting his his uh, teammates in positions to be successful. Um, I was always, you know, really grateful to him just in the fact how he treated my family, how he treated me. Um, you know, he's a superstar, uh, you know, as big as it gets in this country, so in this world, really. So, you know, he's at the top of uh, the world and still had time for, for the little guys on his team. So uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, and, you know, always be rooting for him, except for when we go down there and play them this year. We're chatting with Ted Karras. So you grew up in the Midwest, went to college in the Midwest, played in New England for four years, 
And then you went to Miami. Big change of uh, lifestyle down in South Beach in that area. What did you think of your time in Florida? Oh, well, time in Florida's not done, Dan. We're, we're, we live down there. We, uh, we're going to – we half and half it. We'll be, we'll be snowbirds. Uh, it was very fortunate timing um, for me. Got a great opportunity to go and, and, and be a starter in Miami at a time, you know, it was just awesome. My wife and I bought a house, and you know we love it down there. We have amazing friends, and and uh, you know, we, you know, hopefully we'll keep that forever. All right, a few wild card topics for Ted Karras. You own a construction company. I do. Well, I I I, I invest in the construction company. It's it is it is ours. Uh, I'm a few layers removed, okay. as a, for just smart business sense, but. Um, yeah, so we build uh, single-family homes in Indianapolis. Uh, we bought a lot of lots from the city uh, over the past few years and just kind of filling them up and, and making the neighborhoods better. There's a lot of uh, new construction in Indy. It's cool to be a part of it. I, uh, you know, I've, I've been fascinated with construction, and it's a pretty decent uh, payout. When you signed to the Bengals, the radio voice of the Patriots told me he's obsessed with the office. Are we talking like every episode multiple times type of obsession? Yeah, I think so. Over the years, I, I would I would put myself up against anyone in office trivia. I uh, my my the left guard for the Chiefs and my roommate for four years in New England. He's also he's up there. He he'd be probably the only one I think that could challenge me. Joe Tooney, favorite episode? Dinner party. So is that Michael and Jan inviting the others over to their house for the most uncomfortable conversation of all time? Yeah, it's awesome. And, yeah, one. and it's got that song in it too um, that her assistant wrote. So I just think it's a classic episode, and it's cool that they switched up the setting. That is a very good episode. In addition to being a brute force NFL offensive lineman, you are a cat guy. Is that correct? I do. I have two cats, Nigel and Nugget. Um, <laughs> I, I will have dogs when I'm done playing. I, I can't, uh, you know, in good conscience take on a dog because I wouldn't be around enough to give it the care it, it deserves. So my cats are my companions. They're amazing. Uh, my wife and I love them so much. Uh, and they're, they're very vocal cats. They're really cool. I, you know, we kind of keep them private, but they're, uh, they'd be pretty special. If we, if we made like an Instagram for them, I'm sure they'd be pretty popular. All right. The fans are clamoring. <laughs> More pictures on Instagram. I read an article where you discussed your travel adventures. Is that a passion? Um, I think it's just, again, taking advantage of opportunities. Like, you know, after my rookie year, um, you know, we stayed probably 70 nights in a hotel that year. And I set up a Marriott points reward system and got to go to Europe with my friends for two weeks for under $1,000. So, you know, just, you know, we, you get five months off, um, basically. And, you know, I either want I, – I, I don't want to waste that time ever, though. So there's usually a trip involved. Either I'm in school or there's some kind of skill building that I'm doing because I'm not just going to sit around for five months. Obviously, I'm working out and continuing my professional obligation as an athlete, but I'm not just going to sit on my hands for five months, work out in the morning, and watch TV all day. I want to be doing something actively so that when I'm done, you know, eventually it comes for everyone here. When your time is up, it's up, and uh, it's, you know, kind of – an unceremonious end for for a lot of guys so i want to be in the best position possible with skills degrees to be able to you know continue being at the top of whatever field i want to go into final question it's kind of deep if you could meet anybody in history 
Who would that person be? Well, I'd pick two. I think that first, I'd like to meet Peter, Disciple Peter, because I just would like to, the early formation of the church is fascinating. And, uh, you know, you want to say Jesus if you're really going into that, but that hopefully will come later on. Uh, um, Peter would be interesting just for the Roman aspect and how they navigated a whole empire and, you know, spread a religion. I think that's pretty fascinating. And then uh, Winston Churchill, too. Um, you know, he was kind of a, you know, a liberal upstart young guy in a pretty entrenched monarchical government for a long time and, you know, bounced back from, he, he suffered some political humiliations in early life and then ended up being a hero that's celebrated to this day. So I'd like, and he, I heard he's pretty, I mean, I've read a few books on him. He's really quirky and, and interesting. So high energy guy though. And I'd like to see how, you know, maybe just tail him along like in 1944 would be kind of cool. I'll say that's a very interesting duo. It'll be a, a fascinating dinner for three. Yeah. Appreciate your time. It's great to have you in Cincinnati. Best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you so much, Dan. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Alta Fiber, future proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. By Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. And by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.